What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of The Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Now, you know the deal. Usually, we would be live at RJ's Pub, but certainly the uh, circumstances have not permitted that. But again, you know, we highly, highly recommend going through there. I know the restaurants are, are starting to get back open and all those things. If, you, if you're more comfortable with the carryout, hit them up with a carryout order. Support the people that support this program, that support Oakland Golden Grizzlies as well. Certainly, Russ and everybody out there, if you can, we highly recommend the season fries. And speaking of season fries, I'll welcome in. It's his show, the head coach, Greg Campy. Camp, how are you doing? I'm really looking forward to getting back to our days. I have a tradition with a couple friends that the day after Selection Sunday, we always meet there for lunch, talk about the tournament and make our picks and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I am definitely going to be there the day after uh, Selection Sunday with my buddies and be good to be back in RJ's. And I will, you know, I'll have at least one basket of season fries now. So per, is uh, that like a per hour, per half hour? Uh, what's that ratio? Uh, it depends on how long we're there. We usually play a few little bit of cards and sit in the back there where nobody can see us in the back room and, uh, and just enjoy ourselves. So it'll probably be a couple baskets, it would be my guess. All right. Depends well, on how many they sneak from me. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I, I know. That's, uh, that's something you always have to account for, too, when you order. You got to be prepared for that. You know, you got to be ahead. That's what a veteran does. But, uh, Coach, certainly we're taking your questions the whole time. Just send us a tweet with the hashtag AskCampy. We'll get to those questions a little bit later on. We got some lining up. So, certainly we will get to those. The front of mind, of course, it, it is, you know, we're, we're ready, man. It's March Madness. A Horizon League tournament first round uh, commences tomorrow. Golden Grizzlies locked up the three seed. They will have a bye through the first round. They will host a quarterfinal game at the arena coming up next Tuesday as a matter of fact we will know the opponent after the games tomorrow but camp you guys wrap up regular season play in Milwaukee of course a double overtime game on the second game of a back-to-back I mean camp you knew it was going to go like that right that's just that's just the way the season went right well it's been just been an unbelievable year when it comes to things like that we played (laughs) five overtime games and and really if not for a and a mistake by someone in the Cleveland State game on the you know the clock issue with the official, um, we would have played six overtime games because that that basket would have counted and we would have gone to overtime. Um, that's a lot of overtime games in a year, and two double overtime games in a in a eight day period is uh, pretty amazing in itself. A lot of that is on us though, because in every one of those overtimes, except the Michigan one. We had a two-possession-plus lead and couldn't finish it. And, um, you know, we've really, this week with the with the downtime, we've really tried to analyze, you know, statistically what happened in those overtimes and why couldn't we. You know, even in the one we won at Detroit, we had, you know, a four-point lead with a minute or so to go and, and uh, ended up with Rashad making a three at the buzzer you know, to, to win it. So even in, in all five over, well, four of the five overtimes, the Michigan overtime game, we got down right away, but in the other four, we led and, uh, you know, what caused that? And, you know, from a, from an eye, you know, from the, the eye test, from a naked eye looking at it, it, it's just really bad offense when we got into, you know, it was really good offense to get a, you know, five point, four point lead. Like in Milwaukee in the first overtime, we had a five point lead in the ball with a minute and a half into the overtime. And uh, so that was really good offense. And then we just, we turned the ball over. We got stagnant. And, and basically what happens is we try and run stuff. You know, we, we, we take a little clock off, which, you know, I, I still think is the right thing to do. I think when you have a, two possession lead with under three minutes to go in a game that the clock is as big enemy as the opponent and you have to run clock. And we did that, but it always ends up with Jalen with the basketball 36 feet from the rim with eight seconds to go on a shot clock. And, and, you know, earlier in the year, we had a couple games like that and he made the shots. And so, Oh, that's the way to do it. And now recently, not only hasn't he made the shots, they're running a couple people at them. We've turned it over. And so obviously that's not the thing to do. So we've really put a lot of time and effort into that during this down week. And, and we put a couple things in today 
that if we get in that position again, that we're automatically going to go to, which actually gets the ball out of Jalen's hands at the beginning and then gets it back in it at the end instead of just dribbling around and maybe getting a little more player movement and, and getting the right people with the ball in the right spots. You know, Cam, so, I was going to say, you know, as, as you, I guess, I don't, and I don't know how much you do this, if you do this at all or, or, or exactly what you do, but, you know, you mentioned that you guys went back and looked throughout the, the overtime stuff that happened. Do you take a minute uh, by yourself and, and kind of recreate the season and, and think of how things went? Because I, I will, I will always remember the season and, and not, not necessarily just because of the COVID stuff or anything like that. I mean, just the roller coaster ride that it was in, in the ups and the downs and, and the way that, you know, coming into that Xavier game, like you always talk about 51 to 13 at halftime or whatever that halftime score was. And then you fast forward five days after that, you, you're taking Michigan to overtime who, who's lost one game all season long. And then you go two days later and things don't go very well at Purdue, but then you go to Oklahoma state and you have a second half lead. You have a, you know, a half second half lead at Michigan state. I mean, you know all these things, just just the wave of emotions and the roller coaster and everything that went on this season. Do you do you kind of go back through that at all, or is it still tunnel vision right now? No, that'll that'll happen. Uh, you know, as soon as we're done, and the pain of losing, and then the, the, I usually go into about a three to four week long fetal position, back to where I'm three years old. You know, baby. You know pity party you know whatever i spent three weeks <laughs> acting like a child again because you know it's over and what did we do wrong and and especially the way some of those seasons have ended the last five or six years with you know the so many of the one point losses i mean i i just it's amazing the amount of you know bad things that have happened to us and it, it's almost cursed type things you know it just it's it's just a, a stretch of some really unfortunate things. A referee making a you know a good referee doing something that he probably would never do in his life and never would do again. I mean, just you know, just all the things. And we finally make a half court shot and some and they and they go and they review it and take it away. You know, I mean, it just <laughs> it's just been crazy. And and you pout about those things. One of the things I've always tried to tell our team at the beginning of the year is when the season's over. Bad teams are all going to say, well, we lost nine games by seven points, and if we would have just done this, we would have had a winning season. And good teams say, we lost nine games by, you know, ten points, and if we would have just done that, we would have been champions. And and we gave seven games away. That's a lot of games to give away. And it, it's last year, we had a chance to win – we lost, I think it was, a, a, we had 11 one-possession games and we lost all of them but one. And the difference between that and this year is we had the games, you know, the UIC game with, you know, a double-digit lead with five minutes or so to go and miss all those free throws. And then the, the Green Bay game with a four-point lead and 30 seconds to go in overtime and, and not, you know, just, you know, so – any team can sit there and say that. So we try not to talk about things like that. But if you really look at this year, there's two things. There's two things that really, really will be great teaching uh, for our players that are coming back. And, you know, we have everyone back, um, we hope. And, you know, we're going to be in a position where we look like, you know, a conference contender next year i'm sure in the preseason polls that we're going to be up there although the league because everybody's back you know we're the third seed this year i think cleveland state Wright state detroit you know youngstown if they all come back there's going to be a lot of teams that people think can be the champion next year so that's going to be really interesting to see but we're going to be within our circle we're going to believe that we can win the league next year and the Two things that I think that this group of kids can really take from this year is the importance of the preseason in the summer. You know, you, you think it's important, but this is the first time in their lives and our lives that we didn't have a summer. We didn't have a preseason. It was shut down. 
And so there was no, you know, well, if you work harder, you didn't do anything. And we saw, they saw what that did to them. They saw what it did to them physically. They saw what it did to them from a shooting standpoint. You know, we got some good shooters that still haven't recovered. Uh, you go months without shooting a basketball, and then all of a sudden you come back and you're first, you're right on national TV shooting, and it doesn't go well, what it does to your psyche. And, and uh, so that's the probably the biggest thing that they've learned. And then the second thing that, that this group is going to know about is uh, giving away leads and losing losing close games. And, you know, they say you have to, <laughs> they say you have to experience something before you learn from it. And, and we've had some great teaching moments this year. So those two things are going to be huge next year. And I think they're really going to be a positive force and a bonus force. They're going to get guys in the gym and work their tails off. And then we're going to understand and know close game situations and what we have to do and how we have to execute. You know, we ran a play at the end of the overtime. They executed it perfectly, as you said on the postgame show, and the ball didn't go in. Well, the truth of that, Neil, is if you don't lay a ball in off the glass and in, then you didn't execute it perfectly. Yeah. And that's the thing that that player is going to remember the rest of his life. And he's going to have a more important one. If that ball had gone in and we'd won, we'd still be the third seed. It has no change on Oakland history other than a win. And uh, when it's all said and done, the only person that worries about that's me. You know, nobody else will really ever care. Yeah. Nobody's going to ever say, oh, they won whatever we win this year, well, they could have won one more. You know, nobody's ever going to say that. So he got the learning experience of that. And I will tell you, I've never seen a kid so devastated as he was. Um, this same kid that went to the free throw line with no time on the clock, frozen out and made two free throws, sent it into overtime. And like you and I talked about after the game, you know, we, I just hugged him. I actually laughed about it. I tried because he was so upset that I just – in the hut, I was, you know, just, hey, it's just another thing that's happened to us this year. I mean, at some point, all the crap, you just, you got to step back from and laugh at. So those two things this team can take into next year, um, really, really going to be helpful to us. And, and speaking of things that, that this team, you accomplished this year the the league awards came out i know you're not big into this but for those that missed it i'll i'll, I'll give the rundown right now Jalen moore was all horizon league first team daniel adapo was on the third team uh micah parish trey townsend uh, on the all freshman team uh maybe the most surefire uh, surefire thing in the history of basketball for them to be on there so i mean golden grizzlies well represented in terms of of the all league teams this year and you know, Camp, I mean, it, it's something that, that is a testament, obviously, to certainly to Trey and Micah, but I, I think a big testament, too, to Dan Oladapo and and just whatever. And, and I have seen this before, being around this program. Dan is very exciting to me right now because he reminds me of another power forward that kind of came through the ranks a little bit. And then one day a switch flipped, and and he was a very, very good player. You know the the Will Hudsons of the world and and stuff like that. You know, I mean that's that's what I see with Dan is is there's a light on with, with him and and he was dominant. I mean, Camp he was dominant in Horizon League play. Yeah, and and you know we all, as you know, I you don't care. I know. <laughs> yeah, I I don't care because this year it means more than it's ever met because it was it was just the coaches that voted this year you know and i i pushed hard for that because i just felt there were a lot of media people that were voting that didn't know what was going on and, and i don't mean they don't know basketball i mean that there are media people in this league that had votes that couldn't even name our players you know and they they're I just didn't feel there was a connection. And I thought you saw a lot over the years, a lot of interesting results in the postseason balloting. And, and now I don't think anybody can complain. You know, if I had a complaint, I think Oladapo is a borderline first team guy, but there's so many good first team guys. No, no one else in the league averaged a double double. Dan's the only guy in the league that averaged a double double. Now, 
I think Tanner Holden and Loud and Love are phenomenal. Definitely deserving first team all league. I think that Antoine Davis, what he did the last half of the league, and we knew going in, I mean, he's preseason player of the year once, and we know how good he is, but how he performed the last half of the season. Obviously, I think Jalen Moore, I think if you lead the nation in assists, you got to be first team all week. All right. And then um, Cleveland State won it. Somebody on their team's got to be there. So Patton was there. So that leaves out Marcus Burke. Marcus Burke's first team all week. I mean, you know, he, he's a first team all week guy. And he, that's how good the league is. That, you know, Dan Oladapo's third team all week. And, and you can't really argue with it. And, and uh, so I think it's great that Oladapo, you know, became the only player in the league to average a double-double. I think it's great that I was worried that the two freshmen wouldn't make it because a lot of times, you know, when you have players from the same team, they take votes from each other. And so I was really afraid they weren't going to make it. I was ready to have a conversation with one of them, you know, about it. Yeah. Um, but again, it, because it was the coaches, I think you accept it, you know, and, and I, I think it, it says something that our coaches voted for. Um, because they game plan for us and, and, and that. And, and so people know the rules. I, I'm not allowed to vote for my own players. So there, are, there were 12 people that had votes, and all 12 of them only could pick players from the 11 teams that weren't theirs. And, and, and the player of the year wasn't – we didn't cast a vote for player this year. It was the person that got the most votes. And, and I think it was just done really well. I think our league – got it right and uh i think the coaches got it right and uh there's some people that could be disappointed and i think there's could be and they should be disappointed i think marcus burke should be disappointed i don't know if he is or not because i don't know the young man i'm sure i know his coach coach a great guy and i'm sure he's disappointed for the kid um but it's hard to argue against any of those other kids there so and this is why i never get into this you know uh I played two sports at a major college, right? If major college football is called a big BCS or whatever it's called. There's 110 football teams. Division one I college played, football, right. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. I played on one of them and I also played basketball and I, you know, I, I received a lot of honors and awards in high school and I received honors and awards in college all league stuff and things like that. And this is why I tell my players. In my life, Neil, no one has ever come up and said to me, hey, were you all league? <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever asked that. I, I looked at Oladapo, I said, how come you haven't asked me? <laughs> so you don't love me, man? You, 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 you never asked me. But no one in my life has ever asked me, hey, when you played, were you all league? The only question I ever get is, did you guys play in a tournament? What bowl game did you play in in football? You know, did you, what, did you win? You know, that type of stuff. Those are the questions you get. And I've always lived by that with the players. I, we don't talk about player of the weeks. We don't talk about who's all league or who isn't. Um, so, you know, I, I don't, but I don't want to, I do understand the kids care. You know, they do care. And it's just part of, what makes up college basketball. It is, it is a part of it. So you live with it and you move on. No, I, I, I agree with your sentiments camp about, about the awards. They, they were, they were pretty spot on. The only, I guess the only complaint that I would have had, I thought, I thought for sure Micah Parrish would be on the all defensive team, but you know, that's just media. That's just media chatter camp. That's what we talk about when we have to kill time. So, you know, you know, I was, I was surprised by that too. Yeah. Um, but I think it tells you what other coaches think of us defensively. You know, I, I guess they didn't think we were real good. Um, I thought we were pretty good defensively, and I thought Micah Parrish was really special out there. And uh, they didn't. So what do you do? You yeah. move on and you go play your next game. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, there's nothing you can do. Well, that next game for Oakland will be in the Horizon League tournament in the quarterfinals. When we come back, we'll get coaches' thoughts on, on all the seedings and all the matchups because matchups make a tournament. I mean, I, I think that you'll agree with me, Camp, as far as that goes. I mean, 
you know, the, the matchups mean everything. So I'll get your thoughts on the Horizon League tournament matchups, the first round tomorrow. We got your Ask Campy question to get to on Twitter. Send us a tweet with the hashtag Ask Campy. We'll get to those as they come rolling in as well. You're listening to the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Welcome back to the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Remember, taking your questions on Twitter with the hashtag Ask Campy. We'll get to those coming up in just a little bit. But Camp, you know, let's – uh. Let's get your thoughts here. You know, we, we know that the dinner table's all set and everything. The the entrees haven't been brought out yet. You know, the first round will start tomorrow. But, you know, we have an idea of the way this thing will go, what some of the possibilities are as well. Just kind of your overall view uh, of the Horizon League tournament as it's set up right now. Well, you know, we tried to explain seating the last two weeks on this show. And I I thought I did a really good job last week of boring everybody on how it's seated. Uh, obviously, no one was really listening because of the way people went crazy when the seatings came out. I got a text from my son. How did we get the third seat? You know? So, uh, actually, I got one from two different sons. <laughs> one out in California even texted me the same thing. And, you know, the seating, as we went through last week, went down as we said you know and and that's it and and we all knew what it was i tried to explain it to everybody so everybody knew what it was and then you got national media <laughs> come speaking in on it like people you, you know the whole thing in this was we wanted this to be as fair as we could because we were having an unfair regular season and I take Youngstown as as the perfect example. When you when you get your schedule and you've got to play two at Wright State, two at Northern Kentucky, two at Cleveland State, two at Oakland, what are your chances? Right. You know what? what seriously, what are your chances? And um, so let's make the postseason as fair as we could. And the fairest way to do it was a formula. Now Oakland, Oakland. Uh, benefited from the formula yes we did raise our hand yes we did but we played all 20 of our games we played 12 road games nobody else did that so you know i'm i'm content and happy with it i think it went the way it should have gone and i'm really looking forward to the tournament and the, the thing about this tournament is the last two years we've gone to opening round you know only taking the final four to the uh to uh, you know wherever the site is two years ago it was detroit last year it was indian this year it's indianapolis so both years the last two years the top four teams have been there one through four have been there no one's won a road game in that opening round and last year we won the we won an opening round home game and then we had to go to green bay and we lost as the sixth seed. Uh, last year, we had the double bye for the top two teams. The year before, we didn't. We just, you know, played out eight teams and, and, and went. So you would have to assume that the home team's going to win. Now, you get yourself in trouble whenever you assume, though, right? And especially in a year where there are no fans and there is – a less of a home, there's still a home court advantage, but it's less. And uh, so I kind of think there's going to be an upset. If there is, if there is an upset, we don't know who will play. If there aren't, if there are no upsets, we're going to play Youngstown. So I, I mean, I've spent a lot of time on Youngstown, but I'm expecting an upset. I just think there is. There hasn't been one in a couple years. No fans. Everybody's upset about, you know, the seating. And most important is there. there is not a lot of difference. I mean, Robert Morris lost that kid, and there's a difference between them and, and many teams in this league. If that kid were still there, there'd be no difference than Robert Morris and us. Um, and in all honesty, I don't think there's much of a difference between anybody in the league except for Wright State. 
you know, I think that Wright State, I mean, they have three players on the first two teams. I think Wright State is far and away the most talented team in the league from one through six. But after six, there's really not much there. And that's where over a course of a season, you're probably going to lose some games that they prop that they lost because you, you know, you just, you don't win in this day and age with six, with six players. Every game you go out and play is what I meant by that. They won, you know, they tied for first with the league. They're the second seed. So obviously you can win a league doing it. They've won right. States won the league championship or tied for three straight years, which is quite a feat. Scott's done a hell of a job and is a hell of a coach and, and they deserve everything they've got. But I, I think that on any given night in this league, especially in a COVID year, uh, I think anybody can beat anybody. And something tells me there's going to be some surprises. And so I'm ready. There's, there's five teams that we can play. We can't play Wright State. We can't play Cleveland State. We can't play Northern Kentucky. We can't play Detroit. We can't play Robert Morris. And we can't play uh, Fort, Fort Wayne. All right, so that's seven teams that we can't play. That leaves four teams that we can play. And that would be um, Illinois, Chicago, Green Bay, Milwaukee, IUPUI and Youngstown. So that's five. So my math is really bad. <laughs> <laughs> There's five teams we we can play. And I don't know how I got to oh, – who knows. But those are the five teams we right. can play. I got to take my shoes off and use my toes too. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, you can't – you look at this, and that was something I, I did want to address with you too because we've been through this now, and, and you kind of answered this question already. But – the impact of the no fans and people would say, well, in the opening round that will probably have more of an impact than it will when you get to the site because the site is neutral and everything like that. But camp, you, you know how it is, man, in, in these tournament settings, even with the quote unquote neutral floors, you know, the, the fans that are there, emotions run high because everything's on the line. Everything is amplified. Like you talk about benches shorten up, not as many guys play, uh, you know, all these factors that come into play that, that have a huge effect on these basketball games, the crowd is one of them, even at neutral site games. I, I, I don't know that people have a full understanding of, of how much of an impact that's going to have because in tournament basketball, when everything's on the line, you can feel the air in the building. That's true, but it goes both ways. I mean, I, I think it can – we played in Detroit four years. And we lost a one possession game all four years, you know, three of the years at, at the horn, we lost. And one of the years uh, Felder's layup didn't go in with five seconds to go to tie it. And so we followed, you know, but that we were the home team. I mean, that game I'm talking about the Felder missed the layup on. Um, after they had scored to take a two point lead, we came down, he made a great move. It just didn't go in. And, uh, I mean, there were 11,000 people at that game, and they were yeah. they were 99% Oakland fans. And so it can work both ways, but, you know, the emotion of tournament basketball, the fans are a big part of. And I think that's one of the reasons the NCAA, besides needing the money, is making sure that they're going to have, you know, 25% capacity in these buildings because the fans are, especially family members of players, to, this is the shining moment for them, and you know, you want your mom and your dad and your brothers and people like that to be there to watch you. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I have no idea what it's going to feel like on tournament night without fans. And I'm sad about that. I really am. I, it's going to it's, it's unfortunate for our players. It's unfortunate for everybody. But we've still you know, we're, we're getting to play the game. So we just got to be fortunate and lucky that we are. Fortunate for the TV providers, though, Camp, uh, that, uh, the television networks and uh, and things like that. No question about that. We'll take our next break. When we come back, it's Ask Campy Time on Twitter. So if you got any of those last-second questions rolling around, uh, go ahead and fire off a tweet with the hashtag Ask Campy. We'll get to them all. we got a, a stockpile that we will address when we come back. You're listening to The Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group.
Ready to get March Madness rolling. The Horizon League Tournament first round starts tomorrow. Of course, the Golden Grizzlies will be in action on Tuesday on the blacktop inside the arena. Be a 7.30 tip for that. Available on ESPN Plus, also on the radio side as well. Don't know who Oakland will be playing. We'll have the answer to that tomorrow. Camp, you ready for the ask, Campy? Sure am. All right. Well, here we go. Let's fire it up. We have our first one here. Matt from the Horizon Roundtable wants to know, Coach, how do you plan to watch the games on Thursday by yourself with the team? Do you do multiple screens? How do you do it? Well, I won't be with the team. We're, we're really social distancing. You know, we're really working on I mean, we're at, we are in a high alert right now, so we don't want anybody in anybody's room that, that we just want them by themselves in their rooms. Uh They'll watch the game either on their computer or whatever, and, and you know, we'll text back and forth with them. But uh, I don't want any players together. I don't want, you know, we just can't risk that at this time. So I'll be at home by myself. I'll have the, the big screen going. I'll have a com- probably another screen going. I'll have the computer, and I'll have an iPad. So all four games will be accessible. Um, and... Uh, most importantly, I've got uh, a couple bag pounds of shrimp, a little bit of crab meat, and uh, uh, I got some calamari to, to put into a, a little bit of what what they call it gumbo in the south, a little gumbo mix and mix oh, some gumbo with a little rice in it, and that'll be you know you want a hot meal that's going to last over you know that that's going to be a a three hour event, so you've got to be able to go back and have you know, so we start with a small bowl, not a big bowl, and just have another little bowl, another little bowl, put a little rice in it. It'll last three hours. Got a six-pack of Diet Dr. Pepper and some gumbo. You can't beat that. No, that's that sounds like a pretty sweet setup. And that was actually Matt's follow-up question was, uh, most importantly, what's on the menu? So certainly you address that. You are a gumbo, uh, you and I, Camp, gumbo mm-hmm. apologist. Apologist. Mm-hmm. I, uh, it's one of my favorite foods. And, you know, if I lived in New Orleans, I would – be 100 pounds i mean it just you get some uh, uh crawfish etouffee and some gumbo and I, that's all i would eat oh and then there's the best thing i've ever eaten in my life are uh and it's funny neil there there was a show on cable a few years ago go called the best thing i've ever eaten and it was uh celebrities would come on and they would say the best thing i've ever eaten and i'm watching it one night and the the guy, whoever the celebrity was, said the steamed oysters at uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank now where it was. It's in New Orleans. Acme, the, the, Ac- the, Acme Oyster Company. Ac- yeah, yeah, oh yeah. No, it wasn't that. It's, no? it's it's but they have these steamed oysters that I mean it comes with butter and French bread and I, I think I ate four dozen at one time once. And there, it's the best thing I've ever had in my life. And, I agree. And so it was, it was verified when this celebrity came on, and and then they showed. Uh, I'm trying to think. The hotel is right across the street from the casino in, down on the on the on the water. Um, uh, O'Hare's is the casino. What's the? Maybe it's the Radisson or the Hilton. And uh, oh, what's the restaurant called? Oh, I can't believe I can't remember it, but I, I can walk to it. I, I, I know exactly where it is when I get in town. They know <laughs> all, me. All of a sudden, it comes back. And I echo that sentiment, that the best thing I ever ate, because uh, I'm team charred as far as oysters yeah. go. I like the charred well, oysters. Acme the first, Oyster Company, unbelievable. The first time I ever had them, my son, when he was at LSU, they played in the, the national championship football game. And so they were in that hotel, and – the place was, you know, it was like the night I got in and it was like 1130 at night and you couldn't, every place was full except that restaurant and that hotel and, and you could eat in the bar. So we went into the bar and uh, my son had said to me, you got to try those steamed oysters. So I tried them and I was there for three hours. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, it, 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 I think it cost me like 250 bucks so just what? for what I ate. It yeah. was unbelievable. Yeah, it was the greatest money you ever, you know, greatest money you ever spent. I always say that when I get the crab leg buffet going, I don't, I don't leave because I'm full camp. I leave because the people I'm there with are bored. 
Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> More questions coming in with the hashtag Ask Campy. Golden Grizzlies compliance uh, is stepping in here today. When do we get to see Campy do one of those two-minute drill videos? I want to know what he's most embarrassed to admit that he likes. What are you most embarrassed to admit that you like, Camp? I know it's not oysters. One of my favorite singers is Barry Manlow. And whenever I bring that up, I get laughed out of the bit room. The last time he was at the Fox Theater, I had six tickets. And you know how in the Fox, on the side, they have those overhangs like the opera, with, yeah. um, the balcony seating, but it's a, like your own booth or whatever, suite or whatever they call it. I had the one right by the, the uh, stage, the guy at the Fox that I know that's a big shot took care of me because I'm the only guy that wanted very tickets. <laughs> and I couldn't get him. I couldn't get anybody to go with me. I, I mean, I, I couldn't get anybody. Tom Ford went with me. <laughs> so I, I think that is the most, if I had to admit something that's the most probably embarrassing thing is that I am a big fan of Barry Manlos. Yeah. I write the songs. Yeah, Copacabana is. Look me in the eye and tell me Copacabana is not a good song. I don't care if you don't like Barry Manilow or not. Look me in the eye and tell me Copacabana is not a good song. You're a liar. You can lie. You can lie to me. You're going to start bouncing your leg to it when it comes on. No doubt. There's no question about it. Kevin McCann back at the studio, my ear goes. uh, So, so Campy's a fanalo. I guess that's what. uh, I get like Jimmy Buffett fans are parrot heads. I guess Barry Manilow fans are called fanalos. I guess that's what you are. Oh, I'm definitely one of those. (laughs) Pittsburgh Marty uh, tweets at us. Says, Coach, while I hope our season continues well into April, looking ahead to the offseason, what does April through September look like for the Oakland program? You know, as far as strength training, skill development, summer work, I'll toss in recruiting as well. Take us through that offseason calendar. Well, as soon as we're done, uh, we'll give them a week off. And then we'll jump right into individual workouts. Now, we have a, a bit of an issue this year in that we're going to renovate the bleachers, the, you know, in, in the arena, you have the permanent side of seats and then across the way you have the bleachers. And what's happened over the 20 years, the building is those bleachers have broken down and you can't get them in and out. So last year, fortunately this year, because of the pandemic, they're not out and we get more than two baskets at practice. But for the last couple of years, we've only been able to have because once you put them out, they stay out. So we've only been able to have a couple baskets at practice, which is really disturbing from my standpoint. Um, And so they're going to renovate that, and that's a six-week deal. So we're going to get into the rec center, and we'll do our individual workouts there, and the kids will stay and and go through that process uh, until the end of the semester. And then there'll be two or three guys that stay, and the rest of them, especially because we're so young, you know, we got six, seven freshmen, a lot of guys in first year. I'm going to send them home for summer one. Uh, many times we'll keep them the whole summer, but I'm going to send them all home for summer one. Oladop will stay. Uh, you know, uh, Rashad will probably stay depending on his surgery and what happens with him. Um, but for the most part, we're going to send them all home. And then we'll regather the last week of June. And uh, we'll have all the new players coming in, too. The, the, the four signees will be coming. And uh, we'll start right up, you know, that last weekend in June. We get eight weeks of, with eight hours with the ball and, and uh, a lot of time in the weight room and, and out on the outdoors, up the hills and the track and that, getting bigger, stronger, faster, those types of things. And so that'll all start at the end of June. I really – with what happened this year, I think they need some time to go home when they've been sequestered here. They didn't get a Christmas. They didn't get a Thanksgiving. They didn't get any of that. So they need to go home see their families, get away. Um, hopefully they'll all get vaccinated and, and we won't have to worry about anything when they get back and, and we can get to work for a normal off season in June. As far as the recruiting goes, uh, the NCA has put it, the dead period extended the dead period to May 31st. So, we won't be leaving our campus. Nobody can come to our campus. We can't do anything. Uh, our school still, Oakland still has a travel ban anyways. Uh, you know, we, 
the teams can go travel, but like, I can't go on the road to visit somebody or, um, like, you know, with our zone, I want to go sit down with Bayheim at Syracuse for, and watch them practice and how they practice their zone. And some of the things that we learned about ours this year that might be able to help me with, and I won't be able to do that until the, you know, the travel bans over. So hopefully that'll happen sometime, uh, in June. And, and then we can get back to normalcy. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen a high school kid play live. It's been a long time since I've been able to watch a recruit and, you know, we want to get back to normalcy. We would like to, to figure out all those things. And there's a lot of good players out there that we can't recruit because we haven't seen them and we're not going to recruit them off film. Uh, we're just not going to do it. One more question here with the hashtag ask camp before we cut to the break, get to our final segment. Uh, Craig Hanford wants to know, he says, if you're able to win the conference tournament, do you have a preference of the Indiana based locations of the NCAA tournament where you'd like to play? And just to bring everybody up to speed, there'll be, Pretty much any big time basketball venue in and around Indianapolis uh, will will be hosting games down there. Well, it's my understanding that um, there'll be games at Purdue, games at Indiana, games at Butler, games at Lucas Oil. You know where the championship will be. Uh, they want to get as many games there as possible because you get 25% and because that's what 90,000, you can make more money and get more people in there. So my guess is they'll get as many games in Lucas oil as they can. And then the, the place that we play our the fairgrounds where we play our conference tournament. I believe that's a site also. Um, so where would I want to go if we could go? Well, Anywhere down 69, because if you're going down 69, when you get to exit, it used to be exit 15, but I think they changed it to 115 now. But where Fishers is, the Fishers, the Fishers exit off 69. If you go to the right, you go to Fisher Fieldhouse, which is a very prominent high school that has a lot of really good players, and then they have this big AU tournament there. To the left is a top golf. Hidden behind the top golf is a Portillo's. And they know my name there. So as long as we're gonna go down 69 and I and I can get off and and jump over and see all my friends at Portillo's, I don't care where they send us. I'll just be happy as hell that we're going to Cincinnati or to Indianapolis. In fact, if we win, I'm not sure we're gonna come home, you know, based on we're going to have to look into the costs and all that kind of stuff. But if we win, we may, we may stay uh, based on testing and all that kind of thing. Uh, that would be, you know, a week and a half. So I don't want to, but we might be required to. We'll have to look into all that. All right, Camp. Uh, we'll take our final break. When we come back, we'll, we'll hit up this last segment, just kind of get your thoughts on everything. And we're getting ready to go, man. It is. This is this is why you do all this. This is college basketball. This is what everything is about. Uh, Pittsburgh Marty responded real quick and said, every morning he goes for a run at 5.30 a.m. and plays at Barry Manilow. It's a miracle. It's at the top of his playlist. And he said, next time you need someone to go see him in concert, Pittsburgh Marty will go with you, Camp. I'll send him a note. <laughs> all right. We'll be back with the last segment of the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Back out of here, final segment of the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Golden Grizzlies will be in action on Tuesday night at the Arena in the quarterfinals. We will know the opponent after the games tomorrow as everything will get going. And like we were saying before we went to the break, this is, this is it, man. This is college basketball camp. It's March Madness. You know, the the one shining moment, all of it, and this is why it's great to be in this in this industry, to work in this field. I'm sure it's great for you to be a coach here in Division One, and this is this is why we do all this, man. Yeah, and it's it, it's really for the kids. I mean, you know, they grow up. There's two things that every college basketball player wants. One is to play in the NCAA tournament. The second thing is to play in the NBA. Every single one of them. They care about that more than they care about their degree, and, and they'll tell you, no, I, I want to be an engineer or whatever, you know, but the, the two things they really want in life, because that's what they worked so hard for, and since they grew up and put a ball in their hands and watched, you know, the NCAA tournament in college basketball, it's to 
be an NBA player and to play in the tournament. So the amount of pressure that is on the players in a league like ours, where, you know, Wright State has had a great, great season. Cleveland State has had a great, great season. We've had what I would call a really good season. Detroit's had as good a season as anybody down the stretch, and they're all those other schools. They've all think they're worthy. And the amount of pressure that, that goes on the players, uh, I, it, it's just unbelievable. It's a great tool for their lives, uh, winning and disappointment and all the things. Only one team's going to go. Only one team's going to win. And maybe, you know, maybe it's Wright State and then Cleveland State and everybody else. That, you, know, you know, it's just it's just so hard. And you feel so bad for them because the worst thing in the world is walking in that locker room when you've lost your last game. And even, you know, even the years we've gone to the state tournament, even the years that, you know, we, the, the, the th- years where we, we had the 50 and three run in league play and we were so dominant. Uh, when I walked into the locker room after Texas beat us in the state tournament by, I think two or four points, uh, it was the worst. It's just the gut-wrenching, and you see the look on their faces, you know. I talked about that play that Felder, you know, it was a hell of a move and a hell of a shot. It just rolled out didn't go in. If you would have been in our locker room after that game and saw him laying, he was laying face down on the floor in the locker room and the noise he was making, the, the, the emotion that, you know, it's just, it's devastating to to you as a person if you care about those kids. And that's what makes it so great, though. You know, that's what makes this tournament. And, and for us, leagues like ours, you know, in the Big Ten, they don't feel bad in their conference tournament. They, they Half of them don't even want to win their conference tournament because they want to be rested. They don't want to be playing Saturday and Sunday. You know, they're, they're going to the NCAA tournament anyways. But for us in the one bid leagues, uh, it is our shining moment. It is our you. You get to cut the nets down. You get to you're you're the lead story on Sports Center. You know, the next team to join. You know, that be in the tournament from the horizon. You know, it 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 is what it's all about, and it's why they work so hard and why they get up every morning at five thirty or whatever time to come in and test or, or to get shots up or to go out on the track or to get their run in to, you know, it's why they do that for this one chance to go to the NCAA tournament and win or lose. You can't beat the lessons that these kids learn from this and, and win or lose. It's, it's really just a privilege to be part of it. No, I echo those sentiments, man. There's no, there's no question about it. And a little bit of added pressure this year too. the, you know, for Wright state there, there probably won't be an NIT bid. You know, because they, they've changed the structure of the NIT. I think it's just a 16-team tournament. So, I mean, if you want to keep playing, this is this is it, Camp. Yeah, that's true. But I'll tell you what, Neil. We were the number one seed in the tournament. And, you know, we lost on a play at the buzzer. Our kids didn't want to go to the NIT. They, they could have cared less. They they yeah. were so devastated. We had we, we got together on Sunday night for this or Monday night I think it was for the selection and they said Oakland's going to Clemson and our guys were like okay when do we you know and now once we got there obviously we won the game and then we we thought the NIT was the greatest thing in the history of the world <laughs> you know we celebrated in that locker room like it was awesome but at that moment that there's just nothing like the NCAA tournament. There's nothing like conference tournaments and leading up to it. And again, for the one bid leagues, it's, it's just, it, 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 I can't really explain it. I'm stuttering a lot, you know, trying to explain it to people. It's, it's a, it's a, a feeling unlike any other. No, it, it is. And, and you were talking about that Texas game camp and, and I always, cause people ask me about it. They're like, what's it like, you know, being on the inside of it and all those kinds of things. And, and I say, because you, you know, this, the hotel, you get the police escort from the hotel over to the arena to play the game. 
uh, you're, you're squaring off against Texas and three NBA players, and you're the first game of the, of the day, and you know everybody in America is watching, and everybody's got their brackets, and people were talking about how Oakland was the, uh, you know, the sexy upset pick and all that kind of stuff. And you play the game, it comes right down to the end, and Texas barely comes out on top. And I'll never forget this camp because I've always heard John Madden talk about the finality of the playoffs in the NFL, and I, I think it rings true for college basketball. As I walked back after I got done doing the little postgame show, the guy was already up on the ladder, and he was sliding the Oakland name tag off the door. And then that's when it, that's when it hits you that it's over. There, there are no police escorts back to the hotel. It's, that's it, the finality, man. It sets in, it's over. Yeah, get your ass on the – get your butt on the airplane, get home because we need that airplane for somebody else. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, Kim, final couple minutes of the <laughs> – Thanks for showing up. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll send your check. Uh, thanks for showing up. We appreciate your time. Uh, but, Camp, you know, just kind of the last couple minutes of the show, uh, get your thoughts. Like we said, tomorrow, Detroit Mercy and Robert Morris, they'll tip at 7. Youngstown State and UIC at Youngstown at Green Bay – hosting Purdue-Fort Wayne, and at Milwaukee hosting IUPUI. Those games will tip at 8 o'clock. Give it to me, Camp. We've got about a minute. If you made me bet, I'd take all the home teams, all the, all the seeds. It's seeded that way for a reason. But like I said earlier, I think this is the year. There hasn't been one in two years. And I think this is the year that a home team loses. I just hope it's not next Tuesday night. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope it's not that, but uh, I think somewhere down, I don't think it's going to hold true. I don't think one through four will be at uh, uh, Indianapolis. I, I, in the last two years, I really believe they would. And that's, you know, I knew going to Green Bay, we were going to have our hard time, especially as, you know, Maddox, it turns out it, it looked like he had COVID at the time. We didn't know that, what that was. And uh, Brad Brechting had hurt his back and, and, uh, Kangu broke his wrist in the first five minutes of the game and, you know, kind of knew sitting there that it would take a miracle to, to, to break that. But, uh, uh, I, I, I just, I have a gut feeling that something that is not going to be one through four. So we'll see. All right, camp. We get that win. We'll be back with you next Wednesday night. Uh, and we'll, we'll break everything down headed into the, hopefully headed down to Indianapolis for the horizon league tournament semifinals and finals. So, as always, can't appreciate your time. Big thank you to everyone that listened. Thank you for the questions on Twitter as well. For the Coach Greg Campy, my name is Neil Rule. Kevin McCann back in our Real Team Real Estate Studios. Thank you all. We'll, hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. We'll see you Tuesday night, uh, ESPN Plus and on the radio side as well. Thanks for listening. Well, see you later.